Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Beth. Hi, Jenna. How are you? Great. Happy to be here with Father Dan. What, what? (laughs) Father Dan Keneally, welcome back on the podcast. Yeah, this is round two. Round two. Round one. This is round one for our listeners. (laughs) Round two for the three of us. I love it. Would you mind introducing yourself? Yes. I am the parochial administrator of St. Joan of Arc Parish in Phoenix, Arizona. I've been a priest since June of 2016. I spent the first few years of my priesthood in Flagstaff, Arizona, where I got to know Beth. Mm -hmm. I was at the parish of San Francisco de Assis as the parochial vicar and at the Northern Arizona University Newman Center. And I'm also the associate director of medical ethics for the Diocese of Phoenix. That's a big job. It's kind of intimidating. You're right. It is. (laughs) But it's it's actually good, even though it's intimidating, because it's really beautiful to meet people in these moments of their lives. And just get to hear what's going on, especially mm. as a priest. You're so good at that, Father, just entering in and helping people to hear the Lord in those critical moments, especially, I think, emotional moments. Yeah, thanks. It's something that's not always been easy. I like to get things done. And when people are in like difficult moments, it's not really time to get things done. And so the Lord's been really good to me and helping me to learn to listen and be patient. He's still working on me a little bit. I would have thought... But that came sort of naturally to you because you're from a big family. I am from a big family. Yeah. So it could go two ways in a big family, you know, where you're like, oh, I'm really good at listening because I never get a chance to speak. Mm. Or you're like, I never get a chance to speak. So I really need to speak right now. Yeah. And like get it out quickly. Yeah. You're like, there was a moment of silence. That was my window. (laughs) (laughs) I loved our time together in Flagstaff. It was such a godsend to be with you at the end of my youth ministry career. And you directed a five day for me last year. Yeah. You're such a gifted spiritual director. And I kind of want to talk about that. We get a lot of questions about spiritual direction and about prayer. And I feel like you're very good at both of those things. <laughs> so can you just, first of all, define what is spiritual direction and who needs it? Yeah. So it's journeying in our spiritual life with someone else. For myself, when I go to direction, my director is a priest. I tell him, what I believe the Lord's been doing in my prayer. He does a great job of listening. And the whole time what he's trying to do is notice what's happening between myself and the Lord. So he's not listening saying, wow, this guy's got a lot of problems when he likes all of these. No, he's just actually noticing the Lord seems to be doing something in this part of Father Dan's life, but I need him to say more in this area. And so he's trying to draw out what the Lord's doing based on my relationship with the Lord in prayer. Another friend of mine, a pre-spiritual director, just gave me sort of this language that clarified spiritual direction for me. Mm -hmm. He said that the directee brings data to reflective spiritual direction, and the data is your prayer. Yeah. So there's really nothing to direct if there's not prayer. It's not counseling. It's not advice. It is not counseling, and it is not advice. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time that I do not give advice. (laughs) So true, because I've asked for advice (laughs) multiple times. I just call them up. Hey, can I get your quick feedback on this? Oh, sure, sure. Tell you this whole situation. What did the Lord say when you told him about that? 
dang it, Father. <laughs> so funny. Works every time, too. Yeah. Just about noticing what the Lord's doing in your life and how you can enter into that more deeply and just walk with him more intimately. I just said that to my spiritual director last time we met. I was like, Father, I have this big thing. I like spilled it all. And I was like, so do you think I just need counseling? <laughs> he was like, maybe. <laughs> I don't think counseling is ever a bad idea. Agreed. But I do think sometimes we mistake counseling for spiritual direction. That we want godly advice or wisdom, but we may not be asking the Lord about it first and foremost. I think we're just relational. We want to talk to somebody about it. Mm-hmm. Somebody wiser, somebody holier. But that's maybe not the purpose of spiritual direction. Sometimes people tell stories about people like Padre Pio. Where it's like, Padre Pio gave everyone great advice. If that's what we think about Padre Pio, it's like, <laughs> we've got a problem. Yikes. You know? <laughs> Padre Pio had a gift for reading hearts. But it's always to draw you into deeper love with the Lord. Not to like just make your life easier, flow smoother, you know? Yeah. yeah. Prayer is always about our relationship with the Lord. God has this deep desire to always draw near to us. But oftentimes we think of prayer as this gumball machine thing where we're Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to go put my quarter in and God's going to give me a gumball. And then we're like super disappointed when we don't get a gumball. We're like, what, are you all out? You know, (laughs) that's not what prayer is. That's a utilitarian relationship. And so we were talking, Beth, about the story from Matthew and as well in Mark when Jairus comes up to Jesus asking him to like heal his daughter who's on the point of death. And in Matthew's gospel, actually, she's already passed away. And Jairus says, Come with me. Come and my daughter will live. So Jesus goes. And on the way, we meet this woman who's had hemorrhages for 12 years. She's like, I just need to get close enough and touch his cloak. And she does. And she's healed. And it's really beautiful what happens. But it's all on the way to Jairus. With these two people, what happens? Their suffering becomes the occasion to meet the Lord. Sometimes we do this where we're like, man, this thing I'm going through is really hard. Once I get it figured out, then I can have a better prayer life. False. The Lord wants to use that to draw you closer to him. And so it's amazing what happens when the woman touches him. She's healed. And so Jesus doesn't have to turn around. He doesn't have to talk to her. He can just keep going on his way. But what's beautiful is that what happens over and over again is we recognize that God in Jesus Christ has entered so deeply into the human mystery that he won't settle for a relationship of utility. He won't say, oh, I gave you what you wanted, so you don't even have to talk to me now. God's like, no, I wanted to give you this, but I actually want to give you something even more. And so Jesus turns to her, which is very, very important, actually. She had approached him from behind. She only saw his back. And so it's rather reminiscent of Moses, right? That Moses was the one who spoke to God face to face. But for everyone else, it was like, If they saw the face of God, they would die. Mm. And now the word incarnates come and he turns to her. He turns and he looks at her. It's like this beautiful image where all of a sudden God is staring in her eyes. And he says, take faith, daughter. Take courage, daughter. Your faith has saved you. So he's looked at her. And isn't it really through the eyes that we know each other? Someone can like look into our eyes and we're like, this is different, you know? And that's what Jesus has done to her. And he's taken her out of the anonymity of the crowd. And he says, daughter. All of a sudden, she's no longer just some sick person. She's actually had a relationship established with the living God. Jesus wants to live in relationship with her. 
All the while, Jairus is probably thinking like, uh, remember my daughter? Right. This crazy tense moment. And the woman probably would have been like, you know what? He's got other people to save. He can just keep walking. But that's not what Jesus does. And it's important to recognize that because so often in our own lives, we're like, wow, this thing I'm sharing with the Lord is really dumb. It's really mundane. It's not that important. There's people like starving across the world and things. Right. Actually, to Jesus, you matter. Whatever you're going through, however silly you think it is, it matters to him. And he wants to establish that relationship with you. So he hasn't forgotten about Jairus, but when he's turned to the woman, he's completely there for her. She's the most important thing. And he knows Jairus is there, but he knows that everything's happening in his time. He knows exactly what he's going to do. He's in control of the situation. He's going to stay close to both of them. That's what Jesus does over and over again. He just comes close. And sometimes we're like, and I just need to figure a few things out. And then I just need to be better and God will love me. No, like, look at this example. They've allowed the difficulties in their lives to be the occasion to meet the living God. And it's the same for us. Like at Mass when the priest says, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable. We just talked about that with Father Will. No way. That exact, that exact line. line. Yeah, that's funny. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> this past summer we did the... Blessed is she, virtual Bible study, hashtag BISBBS. And in Mark chapter 5, which is one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture, is, you know, Jesus healing the Gerasene demoniac, the woman with the hemorrhages, and the little girl, Jairus' daughter, restored to life. And I can't get past the chaos of that chapter. And yet Jesus is so hyper-focused on every single person, totally present to them, and accomplishes everything that he wants to do, even though it seems... To me, like there's just too much happening. And I would have definitely prioritized some things differently, you know? Yeah, exactly. So this has been a huge movement in my prayer in the past, I don't know, six months, a year, maybe since the five-day father, honestly. Well done. I went from this idea of prayer as praying about things to talking to the Lord. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Can you give an example? Yeah, so I remember I would even go to prayer and... I would kind of be like, Lord, what do you want to talk about? And I would have this list of concerns or things that I was mm. discerning or mm. things about me that I thought were wrong or broken, disordered, mm. where I needed some advice, essentially. <laughs> I was going to the Lord for what I thought was spiritual direction, but was actually pastoral <laughs> counseling. Just kidding. <laughs> so I would even write out, like, do you want to talk about this? Do you want to talk about this? What about this? Like kind of waiting for the Lord to take the bait and say, yeah, that's the thing I want to work on. And I just began to sense in prayer the Lord totally present, totally interested and loving and patient, but not really taking the bait, not really wanting to work on anything. And him slowly sort of just helping me to understand that he just wants to hear my heart. He just wants me to relate to him what happened today how I felt about it, not for the sake of an answer, but just for the sake of the relationship. How do you think we come out of this idea of prayer as being a place where we work on things or mm -hmm. get better or get answers? Mm -hmm. How do you think we move to a more relational posture in prayer? Mm -hmm. I'm always reminding myself, especially like if there's something that I want to pray about, not just to tell the Lord what I want to happen, and maybe like why 
I want it to happen. That's cool. Or maybe if I'm like praying about like some time when I did some bonehead move, you know, and like half the parish was mad at me. (laughs) It's just an opportunity too to say like, Lord, here's what was going on in my heart. Here's what I was thinking. Here's what I wanted. And I just give you permission to come in and share that with me. Sometimes it's like inviting the Lord to like share a memory with you. You know, sometimes we get these memories that come up and we're like, why was I so like foolish or whatever? Lord, I just want you to be with me in that. Just to let him in. There's always a temptation where it's like, Lord, I just want all these things, you know. Jesus, make me more patient. Okay, well, why don't we tell him about a time when we were impatient? Why don't we tell him about someone who it's really difficult for us to be patient with? And tell Jesus why. This person always does the same thing and... They never listen to me. They always run the conversation and I never get to say anything. And just to hear the Lord say like, yeah, tell me more. I think that's a great place to start. We have to take time to listen. Say, Lord, here's what's going on in my heart. I'm just going to sit here now. And sometimes like the distractions will flow in then. And it's like, okay, Lord, for some reason I'm thinking about like when to water the plants. And actually, Lord, you can have that right now. And I'm just going to go back to continuing to listen. You think about watering your plants, too, in prayer? They're artificial plants, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of times in prayer, I do a lot of just giving things to the Lord because I, like, don't quite know how to process stuff. So I'm like, here's this deep wound. Please heal it. That's an important place to start because if we can't name it, then we're not going to get anywhere. Right. But then to say, like, Lord, here's the wound. Here's what it was like when I went through this thing. Um, And here's how I felt. Here's a piece of that wound that's like just still open and still feels pretty fresh. And whenever I like see this person, I'm just reminded of it and I really don't know what to do with it. When I just get so mad and I feel like this thing was done against me and the other person doesn't even care. They don't even know that it happened. Tell the Lord that. What does the Lord want to do in those moments? You know, it's going to be different for all of us, but oftentimes the Lord wants to hear that. And he just wants to remind us that he knows us and that our desire maybe to be justified or whatever or to receive love from that person, he actually wants to satisfy that first. With wounds sometimes, we're trying to make someone else properly love us. And all the while he's like, I know how to love you. One of the ways that I like to pray is just saying, Lord, show me how much you love me. Mm. Placing myself in his presence and his love And sometimes it's just quiet, not a lot going on. But I know that's always a good place for me to live my day out of. It's from receiving the Father's love. And if I can't receive his love, what do I have to give? Can we talk for a second about how that feels kind of unproductive? Yeah. Like it's a really counterintuitive way to pray. I need to reorder my thinking, I guess, about the Lord Mm -hmm. and that relationship not being so like, Hey, just give me the advice so I can like fix this thing. We just want to keep it moving, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to sit with a wound. I don't want to tell the Lord how I felt about it. Nobody wants to grieve, I don't think. I remember on a five day, not yours, I told the priest, I could pray about that, but I don't want to be sad. Mm -hmm. And what did he say? I mean, I was sad. (laughs) (laughs) He told me to do it. And it turns out there was a lot of sadness there that I wasn't allowing myself to feel. Consequently, I wasn't relating that to the Lord, which Mm -hmm. meant that the Lord couldn't heal me or comfort me or speak any kind of truth. You know, we look at the scriptures 
And what do we see over and over again? That God always takes the long way. Wow. He really does. I mean, you think about it, like, even from the very beginning in the garden, God's not like, hey, Adam Eve, I'm going to teach you how to, like, be better now and fix it all up. Here's my son, Jesus. He's like, guys, you got to leave the garden. You got to go for a little walk. Wow. He's playing the long game. But it's okay. Because what's all of scripture? Trying to get back to the garden. Trying to get back to paradise. When the Israelites are in exile in Egypt, God doesn't say like, all right, we're just going to make like a week-long journey to the Holy Land. How long does it actually take them? 40 years. Long time, right? Yeah. God's always taking the long way. That's kind of wrecking me, honestly, because I think the areas of my life, of my story that have appeared to be on the longer (laughs) route, okay? I think there's a part of me that feels like I did something wrong, that it's taking so long. But I guess that's just the way the Lord works. No, not to say that we never do things wrong. Okay, Father. (laughs) (laughs) But the Lord's always working, and he's always working on his time. If we could learn our lesson from a snap of the fingers, that might be the way to do it. But pride's very strong. takes a lot longer to correct us sometimes. But it's always good. I always actually like find freedom and telling the Lord exactly what I want because I know that he hears me. And then if something else happens, it's like, oh, well, Lord, you knew what I wanted. So this must be part of your plan. Mm. You must know a better way, Mm. painful way, but better. I've heard people say, I don't want to tell the Lord what I want because that might not be what he wills. Then I'll be disappointed. Why would you be disappointed? Because they didn't get what they wanted. Apparently that's a good thing, you know? (laughs) You heard it here first, guys. (laughs) We have to get over the fact that what we want might not be the best thing. Wow. I know. (laughs) Jesus never says, go ahead and take the easy way. He's like, if you'd be perfect, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Some tough lessons here today with Father Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Father, sometimes people ask, do you like best the Father? Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Oh my gosh, you're right. Sometimes people do ask that. (laughs) I think there's something unique about praying with God the Father. Good father figures are not a given. People come from all different backgrounds and through no fault of their own, they might find it hard to relate to the Father based on their own experience of their earthly father. And so it's beautiful that we have God the Father who stands in the stable place for us and just wants to love us as we are. We spend the majority of our lives scrubbing the face of our earthly father Mm. off of the face of our heavenly father. You know, and even for us who have been blessed with uh, very wonderful earthly fathers, it doesn't mean that they're perfect and maybe they do teach us how to love God the Father, but sometimes that's not the case. Mm. Um, I love using the example of Genesis 22. God asks Abraham to offer his own son. And at the last minute, what happens? Abraham's hand is stayed. You know, God's like, no, I won't make you do that. What God won't make Abraham do, he himself will do. Abraham, I won't make you offer your son, but I'm going to offer mine. That whole Abraham thing is pretty upsetting, Father, honestly. Is it helpful if you know that some scholars say Isaac was about 37? Wow. Really? It's like a grown man being tied up by an old guy. (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you know what I was thinking about the other day? Tell us. What do you think Jesus was doing in his 20s? Making chairs and tables. There's a lot of silent years. God takes the long way, you know? Don't I know it? I'm still thinking about that. 30 years of silence yeah. for three years of good hard work. Can you imagine doing 10 years of prep for every year of work? No. Father, what's something surprising you've learned about God in prayer? It's something that I should have always known, but just that, like, I can't do anything to make him not love me. You get these moments where you're like, what if everyone just knew what a terrible person I am or whatever? And Jesus is like, I'll still love you. It's that simple. I don't have to live in a way that, like, I'm afraid of losing God's love. I can't do anything to lose his love. I can't do anything to earn it either. He's always going to love me. So I can actually live in a certain amount of freedom because of that. I can live more fully as a beloved son of the Father. Even when I fall, he wants to invite me more deeply into his love. Yeah, I'm still learning that God just likes to be with me. He doesn't have other things to do. I'm not an inconvenience. He's not like, can we wrap it up, you know, so I can get to something more important. He's so delighted to just be near me, not even doing anything. Jenna, what's something that you've been surprised by in prayer? I think I'm surprised when I pray because the Lord is always looking at me. And so it's a surprise every time. And I guess maybe because I don't have like a daily practice of prayer really where I'm being silent. When there is set aside time that I do that, it's a lovely surprise. That's cool. What do you say to people who ask, I don't feel anything in prayer? You just ask, what's that like for you? They're like, oh, I don't feel anything. Oh, what's that like? I hate it. It's yeah, terrible. Yeah. And I say, have you told the Lord that? Sometimes they're like, yeah, I have told the Lord. Yeah. Like, what have you told him? Have you told him just that you hate it? Or like what it's like for you? Do you think Jesus wants to be a part of that? Okay, give him permission. So sometimes they're like, I hate that it's quiet. I feel like you're not listening to me. What's it like? Do you always feel like you're not listened to? Have you felt like that in other places of your life? It's like, yeah, my older sibling was always the star, and I just never felt like I was listened to. Let's talk about that. It's actually a very Catholic thing to recognize those connections in our lives where it's like, oh yeah, I feel this way from the Father. I've actually felt that way in different parts of my life. The church fathers have a great tendency to recognize connections like that as well. The prodigal son is at his low point next to the pigs. Where does God become man? You know, in the manger. God meets us at the low point, and then he walks with us to raise us up, to bring us back to the Father. I think you're probably one of the main witnesses of asking a question to a question. (laughs) In Jesus, obviously, in the scriptures. I just think it's a really cool practice that I think a lot of us could try adopting. My nine-year-old said something about mass or something, and, and instead of correcting her or telling her the right thing that we believe, I asked, why do you think we do it like that? Just for her to be able to process it too. It was just really cool to ask a question for us to eventually get there. And once I read the scriptures, my eyes were open. I was like, oh, Jesus did this a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's sort of disarming, really. People come like really riled up about something with a question, an accusation, really. You answer them with a question. And it's important to note the Lord's always gentle with his questions. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for being here, Father. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. good. Yeah, it's just so great to have you right here. Father, would you mind closing us in prayer? Absolutely. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, you know all things. You know that we love you. Father, we pray that you'll continue to open our hearts, give us the grace to be stretched, to allow you to enter into our lives more deeply. We know that you always approach us, always want to give us more, always want to be with us. Father, we hand over to you all of our fears, all of our anxieties, all of our imperfections. We give you permission to do with them as you like. Thank you for being with us, for giving us life, for giving us the grace to call you Father. We pray that we may always rest in your love and always return to your peace that we may one day share it with you for all eternity. We ask this in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. Thanks, pal. You're welcome. See you later. Bye. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.